Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in the studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah, and we have to talk to you about a parlay of topics, so definitely we want to interact with you after the show. So, Pat, where is everybody? Head on over to odphpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over there. Check out what's going on at the T Public Store link. Check out the Patreon link. One tier, $2 a month. And we can't say thank you enough to all our patient patrons there as well. You might be bailing me out this weekend. We'll get to that later in the show. Yep. Which uh, I was going to be surprising everybody with a secondary blog this week about that. So if you're on the Patreon, you're going to know about uh, the details about Padawan's trip to New York City this week. Mm -hmm. Also, while you're at the website, you can check out the blog section where there's always new reviews going up left and right, especially on New Comic Book Day. You can check out the directory, which, Pat, how many providers are we on? 731,000. Sounds about right to me. You can check out the classified section where it has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, Nerd Initiative, and many more. The music section where you can find out everything going on with Brian Wolf, yeah. who you heard at the beginning of the show yep. and his former band. But if you want to get that new music, especially the new EP that just dropped, The Golden Age, you got to go swing on over to the music music section and check it out. See, I get so amped up, I kind of botch my words, but that's how we do it live, folks, because that's what we do here on the ODPH. So like I say, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, we have to recap. One of the better fight cards in recent memory. I would have to say so, yeah. The UFC had headlines coming out of this one left and right, and that was UFC 291. Pad, let's break it down, shall we? Yeah, so this card, of course, took place uh, this past Saturday from the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, where you had, of course, UFC 291. And a couple of stories coming into this card before the, the thing even started. Uh, as we mentioned last week, there was supposed to have been a fight between the Ageless Wonder of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, and Michael Pereira. However, uh, Pereira came in at 174 pounds, which is three pounds over the welterweight non-title fight limit. Mm -hmm. So nor if he was under that three pounds, you know, but and still within the limit, all right, fight would have still gone on. It just would have been a catch weight, much like you saw in the prelims uh, between CJ uh, Veraga and uh, Vinicius Salvador. One of those guys missed weight, but it wasn't w outside the limit. So, you know, the fight was held at a catch weight somebody's purse was uh sacrificed i guess you could say yep you know but this was not that case so the fight the fight was scratched no this is the now the second time they've attempted to schedule this fight uh they tried to schedule this fight back at ufc 289 uh but the contracts were just never signed so third time's a charm maybe we'll see if they schedule i don't know 
Yeah, I don't think they're going to make this one happen again. I think the thing with Michael Pereira is this is the second time he's missed weight badly. Probably. So I think that him at the 170-pound limit is out of the question anymore. Yeah. And it's going to be much like Kelvin Gastelum, yeah. who's having problems making weight. They're just going to say you got to fight at a higher weight class. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, so as a result, uh, Der- the Derek Lewis and uh, Marcos Rogero de Lima uh, fight was moved from the prelims up into the main card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're going to jump right into the main card. And the first fight that took place on the main card was in the Welter weight division where you had kevin holland defeat michael chiesa via barbo barbo choke submission at two minutes and 39 seconds of the first round absolutely shocked at this yeah the one thing about holland is holland is well-rounded i will give him that but when you talk about matt wrestling and submission holds usually not one of the names to come up right and chiesa is very comfortable there now granted he's been off for a while we discussed this last week yeah we did you know the whole thing about quote-unquote cage rust looked like it played a big factor here, but I will give Holland his due. Mm-hmm. This is an impressive win for him. Yeah, especially in the first round. And listen, Chiesa, yeah, octagon rust is a thing, but he's still got 25 matches under his, professional matches under his belt. So this isn't exactly some slouch they pulled in off the streets of, shit, we need a fight, and then we, there's nobody here walking at weight. Mm-hmm. This is a dude who's been tried and tested. Yeah, so the manner of how this fight was ended did not see coming. No. But huge win for Holland. I'm not sure where exactly he goes from here. But I know that in the rankings, he's got to be skyrocketing up a little bit after this. Well, looking at the welterweight rankings on UFC.com, of course, Leon Edwards is your champion of that division. Uh, Kamaru Usman, number one. Colby Covington, number two. Bilal Muhammad, number three. Hamzat Chimeev is number four. Gilbert Burns, number five. Shavkat Rachmanov is number six. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is number seven. Jeff Neal is number eight. Tied with him at number eight and is Sean Brady. Uh, number 10 is Vincente Luke. Uh, number 11 is Neil Magny right now. Michael Chiesa is number 12. And then you've got uh, Jack Della Maddalena is mm-hmm. number 13. Ian Machado Gary is number 14. And then Michael Pereira is number 15. So I'm willing to bet these uh, rankings might not have updated yet. I'm thinking as well, too. So if you're curious where the rankings are, where Michael uh, Pereira Michael Pereira has, or not Michael Pereira, uh, where things have shaken up with the welterweight division, I'd say check for this on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. Mm, it's I, usually when they, it was when they switch over. Yeah, because, I mean, Holland's got to go up a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to skyrocket into the top five by any means but this is a big win for him huge win overall and i think that he will get another high profile fight Mm -hmm. his next go around Mm -hmm. but just seeing how he's really made him a name for himself i mean other than uh dana white kind of giving him the nickname of big mouth because he would always (laughs) talk during his fights He's, he's known to talk folks this is true so this is a huge win for him he's got to definitely capitalize on it and i do think he's going to get somebody Right around that number 10 range, if not a little higher for mm-hmm. his next bout, but still a good win for him, yeah. nevertheless. Next up was in the lightweight division where you had Bobby Green defeat Tony Ferguson via arm triangle choke submission at four minutes and 54 seconds of the third round. Man, I hate saying this, but Tony Ferguson's done. Uh-huh. This was an ugly loss. I understand it came at the end of the third round. I get all that. Still, though. But this is bad. Uh, this is now his one, two, three, four, five, fifth or sixth fight uh, loss in a row. One, two, three, four, five. This is his sixth loss in a row. He's got to go. Like I'm sorry. Like I, in his prime, one of the scariest lightweights of all time. Mm-hmm. In his prime, like for that window 
of consideration of being in the pound for pound category. He, right. he was he was a guy that a lot of fighters did not want any part of. Right. I mean, he went through. He certainly went through a who's who in the UFC. I mean, Donald Cerrone, Anthony Pettis, Kevin Lee, Rafael dos Anjos, you know, Edson Barbosa, Josh Thompson. You know, it's it's a who's who. Yeah, that time period, and that's why it was always the dream fight to see him and Habib. Yeah, that fight was cursed. That fight was cursed, but that, that will go down in history as the greatest fight to never happen in MMA history. Yes. Maybe behind Lesnar and Fedor. Goddamn electrical wires. Right. I know, we were six days away. Six days away. Yeah, for those who don't know, we were six days away on, like, what, the third or fourth attempt? Third time. Third attempt of having this, like, legendary. For, if, you, if you're not an MMA fan and you're a boxing fan, think of it like Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, mm-hmm. and how long you wanted that fight. Mm-hmm. You know, and just, we they tried it once. Something fell apart. Tried it a second time. Something else fell apart. The third time, we were literally a week out, and who was it? Ferguson, I think it was. Yep. Blew his knee out. Because he tripped over an electrical cord in his home and fell to the ground. Yeah. It's one of the wildest injuries of all time. Like I, I, I remember I, that happening and going to tell you, and you're like, you got to be bleeping kidding me. Yeah. Because I can't remember a time in history like a fight has been this haunted. No. Especially for the years that, I mean, honestly, this was Tony's prime years. Yeah, it was. And he could never get to that fight. Because I think if he got there, you never know. Mm-hmm. Like, he might have beat Habib. Legitimately, because yeah. at his prime, Tony's pace that he fought at mm-hmm. would have given Habib fits. Absolutely. Now, not saying that calling that shot and saying he would have won outright. It would have been close. But I will say this. He would have gave him enough problems that Habib's takedown skills might have got slowed down just enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we never know. But at this stage, I'm sorry to say... This is a bad loss. He's currently 39 years old. He just turned 39 in February, and I want to bring something up. Uh, he is approaching a UFC record, and not in a good way. Uh, he is cur- Like I mentioned, he's currently on a five-fight losing streak. Uh, the record is seven by BJ Penn. Ugh. That's not a record you want to go for. No. I mean, they gave BJ enough chances throughout the the end half of his career. And Tony... Well, I should correct it. The, the tweet I was reading, it's uh, six, not five. Okay. But still, either way, I mean, when we see fighters that we as fans really enjoy seeing, mm-hmm. at this stage where Father Time has just caught up with you, and listen, the amount of wear and tear a fighter goes through, yeah, it takes its toll. And I mean, some of these losses, okay, give them some benefit of the doubt. You know, Gaethje knocked him out. All right, not great, but that was in the final rounds of the fifth round for the interim lightweight championship. Uh, came back against Charles Oliveira. That was a unanimous decision loss. Uh, came back against Benil Darouche. That was a unanimous decision loss. So it's like, all right, you know what? You, you, you lost You know the fight against Gaethje. You haven't exactly found your footing. Maybe you just need to figure out something different to do, maybe a different approach. But then you get to the Michael Chandler fight where that was a front kick knockout at 17 seconds of the second round. Yeah. Nate Diaz submitted him in the fourth round. Uh, and then this last fight with Bobby Green, which was in the third round. So it's so it's not exactly like oh, you just keep losing them by decision. Like no, it's pretty definitive. Yeah, it's just it's a shame to see because, like we say, we've seen him fight since his days on the Ultimate Fighter when he was on Team Lesnar, taken it way back when, and to see that he was one of those names that in his prime was a a feared fighter, much like in the same vein of Glover Teixeira in Glover's prime, right? That nobody wanted to fight him. Everybody was having problems with him. And because of his skill set. 
And now at the stage, I mean, it's nothing against Bobby Green, but Bobby has also been fighting for quite some time, too. Yeah, he has. This is a very equal fight, in my opinion. 36 years old. He turns 37 in November. Yeah. Uh, 46 professional matches under his belt. Exactly. So for Tony to lose in this manner, that's a bad loss for him. I, mm. I, I'd love to see him hang, him hang him up just as a personal thing. Just because like you don't want yeah. to see somebody just keep fighting the fight yeah i mean and i don't want to see him try one more fight and win lose or draw leave the gloves in the octagon bring him out at the next pay-per-view you know don't do it at a fight night or something at the apex Mm -hmm. bring him out at then bring him out at the you know let him make the decision but if absolutely if he chooses to retire you know bring him out at the next you know pay-per-view and and let him have have a moment and just say hey thanks for the memories whatever he wants to say and lamb in the ring in the octagon yeah i mean if you want to do that sure i he's earned that right if if they want to go that route i just i don't know at this stage Mm -hmm. and i think that it could be a situation dana gives him one more and says win lose or draw you're done Mm -hmm. i I could say we've seen this happen in the past so i'm not doubting that yeah and I think if he's going to fight again, that that's got to be the stipulation. Just, for, just for, I mean, at this stage, it's just like it pains me to say this. Oh, I'm I know. Not, I'm yeah. not enjoying this. But no, it is what it is. Nope. Uh, next up was the fight that got moved up from the prelim card to the main card, and this was in the heavyweight division, where you had Derek Lewis defeat Marcos Rodrigo de Lima via flying knee and punches knockout at 33 seconds of the first round. Uh, after the fight was over, Derek Lewis proceeded to take his shorts off. Uh, stand in the ring in his underwear and do the uh, Degeneration X crotch chop, telling everyone to uh, suck it. So this one, <laughs> he tried pulling off his best Masvidal. He did. Yeah. He did. He threw a flying knee combo, which actually stunned Delima, which I was shocked at. I mean, when the fuck would you expect a heavyweight to do this? I wouldn't. This if, I, it's I, a, I, if it's a video game, okay, maybe. I watched it and went with like, what is this? Yeah. And the thing about Derek Lewis is you know what you're going to get out of him in a fight. Yep. He's going to knock you out. 22 wins by knockout, one by submission. Yeah. In the submission one, I still haven't processed in my head happened. Mm-hmm. Because Derek Lewis throws hands. He, he is a, a, a perfect boxer yeah. that's doing MMA. Because that's all you know you need to worry about with him. And he's always a puncher's throw away from winning a fight. It doesn't matter if it's first round or fifth round or whatever. Mm-hmm. So this was really no shock per se. Yeah. Because once he rocked Lima a little bit, it was just a matter of time. Yeah. And now the question is, he's officially off contract with the Ooh. UFC. That was his last one. Ooh. So at 38 years old... I think the UFC could sign him again for a deal. I don't see why not. I mean, if, if John Jones sticks through with his current plans, air quotes, I guess you want to, if you want to say, where he's gonna, John's gonna fight uh, Stipe Miocic and then retire mm-hmm. if he goes through. I mean, you're about to have a vacancy in that heavyweight division, so you could, you could. I'm not saying long term, yeah, but you could sign uh, Lewis to a, a couple fight deal and see where it goes. Well, he, it, he's proven himself. Well, the one thing about him is he is a superstar in this business. Yes, he is. He is a character. Uh, like I say, he's he's a media personality. I shouldn't say when he had the quote at the one. Uh, post fight or yeah, after the fight when Joe Rogan went to interview him and Joe asked him a question and Derek proceeded to say, my balls are sweaty. Mm-hmm. I knew people and heard that in public from people I knew didn't watch the sport. Yeah. Like that's how much this guy has crossed over that like just his sound bites and his personality have crossed over to where 
it, it's it, people who don't watch the sport are finding out about him. Oh, exactly. Like he's very charismatic. I shouldn't say character because like Colby Covington. Right. Yeah. No. In my opinion, he's a character because that's not really him. This is, this is Derek Lewis, man. This is Derek Lewis. 100%. This is a down home Texas boy. Yep. And you know what? That's how he is. And you know, that's what wins people over because he's so authentic. Uh huh. So I hope the UFC re-signs him for, you know, a four fight deal. Sure. Does something like that because sure. he's, he still can go and he's, he's still winning and he's entertaining. And that's yeah. something that they're desperately needing is stars on their shows. Even when he loses, it's not a boring fight because his last couple fights losses and, and how he lost submission, TKO, KO, TKO. Yeah. So it's, it's not exactly a snooze, you know, three round, five round going the distance. You know, we're just going to ballet dance here in the middle of the octagon. Mm-hmm. They're exciting. Yeah, so I think the UFC will lock him up, and that'll be the last big contract for them. I could say it. Uh, but if this is it, I can't wait to see where he winds up because he will wind up somewhere. I could almost see him going bare-knuckle fighting Yeah, just because that's what he does is he's, yeah. he throws hands. So. Yeah, that's true. But we'll have to wait and see about that, but good win for him nevertheless. Yeah. Uh, and next up was your co-main event of the evening in the light heavyweight division where Alex Pereira defeated Jan Blahovitz via split decision and then went uh, 29-28, 28-29, and 29-28. I honestly can't remember where I saw this or heard this, but somebody was trying to say the odds for a split decision here was like plus 700. Ooh, interesting. And I really hate myself now that I didn't go look into that. Yeah. Uh, because, you know what, we talked about it on last week's show, and... Pereira did what I thought he was going to do. Uh, we thought this was going to go for a while. I didn't think he was going to really have a knockout per se, but no. it, it could have happened. I thought the speed would throw him off. He did look very, very big for this fight in this weight class too. Like If I remember right, he bulked the fuck up for this. Because yeah. I think it was ESPN's MMA Facebook page I saw is where I saw it, where he came in at 205, mm-hmm. like spot on. And then 24 hours later, he'd put on like 20 to 30 pounds. Yeah. Because once once you weigh in at the official weigh-ins, you're good. Those those weigh-ins later in the day are ceremonial. Like they, they don't mean shit. It's just for the fans. Mm-hmm. So you can once you make that weigh-in and you're good, you can put on as much weight as you want to. Yeah. So that's what I saw is he he came in 205 and by the next day, like 24 hours later, he was coming in at like 224, 225. Yeah, it's crazy. But he got himself ready for this. And I think Blahovitz, I mean, he's on the other side of 40, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe so. Let me take a look here. Yes, he just turned 40 back in February. So with him, as much as this was still an entertaining fight, mm-hmm. I think like at this stage, it's Pereira's time. And the craziest thing now, too, with this win yeah. is you have to go, what's next for Pereira? And you have to seriously consider... Him against uh, Prozaka, because mm-hmm. Prozaka should be coming back relatively soon by the time they can schedule a fight. You'd have to figure, yeah. And that's your light heavyweight title fight because uh, Hill is out with right. the Achilles tear. Right, yeah, he vacated. Yeah, so put this in perspective, Pat. Okay. Pereira has fought how many times now in the UFC? Oh, uh, this is his one, two, three, four, five. This was his sixth fight in the UFC. His first one was back in November of 2021. Okay. So keep that in mind. Yep. Number seven, he could be in for a title shot. That's crazy. But here's even the crazier stat. If he wins that, mm-hmm. he will be a double champ 
within seven fights. Conor McGregor, eat your goddamn heart out. Yeah. Like, I don't think people realize... That's ridiculous. ...how insane that stat is. And he's only been fighting since October of 2015. Right, he's been doing kickboxing. Right, because that's his, his professional mixed martial arts record. It starts October 24, 2015. His kickboxing, though, goes back to... Uh, let's see, there it is. Amateur record, uh, October 2013. Yeah. So he's been fighting a while, but UFC, MMA, only a couple of years. Yeah, so to... Th- to put that in perspective, you're fighting in the biggest MMA organization on the planet. Yep. In seven fights, you could be a double champion. And you think about the lineage of double champions. They're all Hall yeah. of Famers. Yeah, they are. I Or soon I, to be. Yeah. I'm not now I'm not saying you automatically punch his ticket, but you have to consider it. It's, it's, a, it's crazy a, as that sounds. It's a hell of a uh, little note on your credibility meter. Oh my god, yeah. So I mean, that's the fight I make if I'm Dana. Oh, I would too. If it, but it all depends on if Yuri's ready to go. Mm-hmm. If if Yuri's ready to go, that fight's done. Like you're oh, not yeah. you're that'll not make, even second guessing this. That'll make itself. Because the only other one I know they announced, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, Johnny Walker is taking on Magnov. Okay. Or Magnov. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be. They're going to be fighting, and that could be like a possible number one contenders match. I can't. Right. Because I, I just know that Magnov uh, just fought. Not mm-hmm. too long ago, and lost in that bout. So, it's a weird setup they have for light heavyweight. But I'm going to tell you right now: if we have Prozaka and Perea, mm-hmm. that's going to be box office because mm-hmm. you're going to see some of the wildest stare downs at weigh ins you have ever seen in your life. Mm-hmm. And these two are not afraid to go completely crazy in the cage. No. So. I am hoping, and I'm putting the karma out there, and I know that certain people at the UFC do listen to the show, and thank you so much. Drop that five-star review. We do appreciate it. Make this fight happen. Seriously. I can't see any other big box office possibility right now with your current 205 division than this because you're talking about history. Mm -hmm. And the former champion who had to relinquish the belt because he was hurt coming back for it. The storyline writes itself. Yeah. Good enough for me. Sold. Make it happen. But then we got to the main event. Yeah, and this was in the lightweight division between Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier for the vacant, quote-unquote, BMF title, the baddest motherfucker. Uh, And you had Justin Gaethje emerge victorious, defeating Dustin Poirier with a head kick in one minute of the second round. This was as expected. Mm -hmm. We got fireworks. Yeah, we did. And this is huge for Justin Gaethje. Really huge. Yeah, it is. Poirier is no slouch by any means. He's probably one of the more well-rounded fighters that people just know for just putting on entertaining shows. He can do it all in that cage. For Gaethje, this is as much of a a game-changing win as Mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. Not that he got a BMF title that nobody cares about, but he has just locked himself in prime position for a title shot mm-hmm. against the winner of Machev and Oliveira. And it's a hell of a win for him just because he's got four prof- losses in his professional career, and they're all names. I mean, Charles Oliveira, mm-hmm. Habib, Dustin Poirier, Eddie Alvarez. You know, so he's, be- I mean, he's beaten some names, you know, Edson Barbosa, Donald Cerrone, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, you know, but the fact that the only losses he's had are to the names of UFC mm-hmm. that, that fans know. It's a feather in his cap, and it's kind of like that ascension of like, all right, he's taking the next step. Yeah. 
But the, here is the big question that came out, and I know a lot of media sites are running with this pad, and I, and I definitely want your opinion about this. Okay. There was a certain fighter that got on social media okay. and kind of was talking a little trash. Okay. If you're Justin Gaethje, sure. do you get that eventual title shot of the winner of Machev and Oliveira, or do you try going for the big money fight allegedly, that is Conor McGregor? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Because way back when, Gaethje wanted that fight. Right. And it never happened for whatever reason. Right. And right. I'm, I'm just, it is what it is. <laughs> With Conor, there's always a reason. This is true. So, if you're Gaethje at this stage... You can wait, you know, you can get a title shot and and try getting that belt and, you know, already solidifying a Hall of Fame career record. Mm-hmm. But do you try getting the big box office payday mm-hmm. with Connor? Because as far as we know, yeah. there is nothing scheduled yet with him and Michael Chandler. Now, they're supposed to fight. That That's tradition with the Ultimate Fighter, yeah. Right, but they have not locked up a date to fight yet, right. if I am not mistaken. Well, no, and from what I've heard is it's not going to be this year because as of this recording, Connor has yet to submit any sort of testing to USADA for, right. for doping. So odds are it won't be this year if it happens. Yeah, so this is now the big question about it. Now, I know Gaethje has kind of been very uh, blunt about uh, his lack of interest at this moment mm-hmm. to fight Connor. Because mm-hmm. um, basically, uh, it, to paraphrase a little bit from what I've seen, uh, he doesn't fight anybody with steroids. His word's not mine. <laughs> so <laughs> that said... And I'm just saying the allegedly just for legal reasons. Right. Um, I don't know. Like, if you're in this position, it's a long time off. Yeah, it is. I mean, because if essentially, let's just play hypothetical and say, okay, the Chandler-Connor fight does happen. And then whatever the outcome is, let's just say Connor gets injured mm-hmm. for something. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just say broken hand for, yeah. for argument's sake. Something that puts him out. Six to eight weeks or whatever it is. So this fight isn't going to happen this year. You're looking in next year. You're looking into next year for this to happen. And if he gets a broken hand, even if it's just saying conservatively, you know, let's just say it's in February or March. If he gets a broken hand, that's putting you basically into having a year off. So you're not going to get the counter fight for another year. Mm. You're going to have the title go by you. Yeah. And are you comfortable with sitting there for a year? Or are you going to have to go to Dana and go, hey, listen, I want to fight Connor, but he's out with an injury. You got to give me some somebody in between. But then you run the risk of what if you yourself get injured? Yeah. It's a weird situation to be in, but it's a great one if you're Justin Gaethje. See, if I'm him, if I'm Gaethje, the Connor fight's nice and the payday is going to be beautiful. Well, you'd, I'd be set for life. There's too many unknowns with that yeah given the fact of what i if i'm just engaging what i just did and i'm the bmf title holder i wait for the outcome of the lightweight title fight and i sit there go hey dana i'm next because that's a guarantee win lose or draw 
it doesn't matter what the outcome. I'm, I'm assuming both those fighters don't come out injured, and mm-hmm. then you got to weigh it again. But hypothetically, if it's a clean finish, nobody's hurt. You you got to wait just for the obvious recovery time or whatever else. It's typical with the MMA fight. I take that one. That that's the that that one to me in my head doesn't have me sitting there a year plus waiting for some guy to get better potentially and and all this other nonsense and him to figure out what the hell he wants to do. Yeah. So I called up the article from thezone.com, D-A-Z-N.com, and to quote Justin Gaethje, uh, quote, when asked to respond to McGregor's comments in the post-fight press conference, it's safe to say that Gaethje did not hold back when it came to this thoughts on the Irishman. Quote, I fight MMA. I like to fight big fights. I like exciting things. So it sounds pretty exciting to me. I'm not going to fight someone on steroids. I've never taken steroids in my life, and I never will. Well, maybe when I retire, I might, end quote, Gaethje told reporters. <laughs> well, at least he's honest. Yeah, but, uh, quote, but I've never taken steroids and don't want to fight someone who is cheating. And I probably shouldn't even say that if I want the McGregor fight, but it is the truth, end quote. So that is from the zone well, you, and the post-fight presser. Well, you know how Connor operates. Talk enough shit and he'll come knocking. Well, the thing about it, too, is it, it does make for an interesting situation going on. Mm-hmm. Um, because if Gaethje takes that fight, I think the easiest fight you can make for Michael Chandler is Dustin Poirier. Mm-hmm. So that really sets up an interesting situation, even though Chandler would not get the big fight. But that is a big fight, too, though. I mean, right. it, 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 money might not exactly be there, but just saying, it's an interesting setup here. Mm-hmm. Well... He didn't name him, but we do have a response from one Conor McGregor. Oh, boy. He tweeted this yesterday as we record, uh, and he said, and I quote, I KO him one shot, guarantee it, close quote. Not at this stage. <laughs> he did not. Now, showing Ken the tweet. Yeah. He did not mention or at anybody, but given the headlines and who's been talking about Conor, it's not hard to figure out who he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, I digress. Yeah, and if you want to hear more about that conference, I'll give a shout-out to the reporter, uh, Matt Asbury, on uh, thezone.com. Did the article about Justin Gaethje's uh, response. You know who's the real loser in this whole fight? Jorge Masvidal. Dude put a $100,000 bet down on Poirier because uh, they're training partners. Yeah, they're teammates. They're teammates. Yeah, so uh, Poirier ended up costing Jorge $100,000. You know, <laughs> this is the crazy thing about fighting, though, is when you had two elite fighters at this stage going at it, I mean, it's anybody's fair game. Like, I would not have bet on this myself, personally, no. but I'm not faulting. But you know what? I applaud him for, for backing his teammate up. It's his teammate. It's his buddy. Yeah, no, I don't fault him. Yeah. But, you know, as like I say, for a title belt, it doesn't matter. No. It still was an entertaining bout. And, you know, it ended the way it should, with a finish. So we all got to remember the first time that belt came out and The Rock brought it out and his music hit, and it was probably the only time in his career there wasn't a pop. Yeah. So. You, know, you don't believe me. Look up the footage. It's a crazy thing to see, but it's true, though. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of noise coming out of UFC 291. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPagePod. Where does everybody go from here? There's a lot of moving parts that are now going to be happening with Justin Gaethje's win over Dustin Poirier. And what about the undercard? I mean, Alex Pereira, nobody's talking about that. The double champ in seven fights? Is it going to happen? Derek Lewis, is he staying or is he going? What do we think, ODPH Society? Hit us up. Let us know. 
But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You ever wondered what comics Mark from Vale Mai is into? What Zach from Left Behind's favorite MCU movies are? Well, Metalcore Nerds is the show for you. My name is Sean Mott, and here at Metalcore Nerds, we cover the latest things in pop culture, whether it be Star Wars, Marvel, DC, AEW, and everything else in between. You can listen to the show every Monday on Adobe Howl at 7 p.m. Eastern or find it anywhere you find podcasts after it debuts on the radio station. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk about a signature premium live event. Mm -hmm. That's a lot to say, but when you're talking (laughs) about one of the big five pay-per-views of the WWE World Wrestling Entertainment, it definitely deserves a lot of prestige thrown on it as well. One could say it's a party. The biggest party of the summer. Break it down, Pad. So taking place this Saturday on the the Peacock here uh, domestically, the WWE Network for you lucky souls overseas and on pay-per-view in some places, uh, from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan, is going to be SummerSlam. Yes. The premier party of the summer and one of the most legendary pay-per-views of all WWE history. Yes is back uh, with a very, very stacked card that is more or less finalized, unless something really crazy happens between now and SmackDown on Friday. Which I would say there's like five hours of programming, three on Monday Night Raw, two on SmackDown. I don't see much getting added here. No. We'll see. Because last Friday night we did have the last edition, as I feel. Yes. Because as we start doing the breakdown, we're going to give you our thoughts on the event. And let's kick off talking about the latest edition, shall we, Yeah, so the latest edition is the SummerSlam Battle Royal. Now, this is new to SummerSlam. They haven't done this in the past, at least not to my recollection. See it a lot right. of times. We'll see it a lot of times with WrestleMania. You know the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, uh, but this one's new. Uh, not sure how many people are going to be in this and or w- when it's going to take place. Uh, the only folks we know who are confirmed participants for this are Sheamus and L. A. Knight. Yeah. Uh, early money. L. A. Knight. This is L. A. Knight's match, and for anybody that was freaking out <coughs> online about this, that oh he wasn't in a big match at SummerSlam. They're purposely making this for him. Yep. Yep. Because the deal is after SummerSlam, or even then, because I still have a theory when we get to it, no pun intended, mm-hmm. he's going to be in a program to win the U.S. title. I think so, too. Yeah. So it, this is all just a setup for it. Then the one thing, too, which WWE is being a lot smarter about mm-hmm. is they're not rushing him into anything. No, I think this is a match, you know, to give him the rub, give him a win, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to maybe placate the fans a little bit just because you look at the fans. Are, he's one of the most over superstars on the main roster. Yeah. Up there with, I think, the only one more over it, good or bad is Roman. You know, but you look at just every time he comes out, how big the pop is and everyone doing the yeah, you know, and everything else, you know, going on, you know, all the views, his segments get all the, you know, and everything else. I think it's just to give him the rub. I think it's to placate fans a little bit because you think back to Money in the Bank and I, and he was like the hands on favorite with a lot of folks to win the whole thing. And then he didn't win it. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into, oh, he's got a he's got the thing going with Austin Theory or whatever it was. And all oh, that didn't really pan out. Yeah. You know, so now it's not an effort to placate him. It's an effort, I think, to maybe placate fans a little bit of like, hey, listen, we don't want you turning on us. We got plans for him, but you got to wait and let them see. Because as we know with folks nowadays, they want the satisfaction now. They don't want to wait for the journey. Exactly. And that's the one thing that WWE has been very smart. They're storytelling. They're taking their time. And this is what's going to pay off in the long run. And I'm not doubting that something happens to write off Santos Escobar 
from facing Austin Theory. I could see it. And LA Knight slides in on the show here. I could see it. Just saying, but I think for the Battle Royal match, which is a great way to get more people on the card, so yeah. listen, I'm fine with it, but this is all a LA Knight. Like, there's nobody else is going to win this. Nope. I, I just, I'm sorry, I just don't see it. Next up is going to be a singles matchup between Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. Well, this match has been building for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it has been kind of forced in storyline terms. Well, maybe. But there's reasons for it. Maybe. Because if you believe the reports that Ronda is done with WWE and she had a very definitive date as she's leaving. You know, so, yeah, this isn't she's fed up with the company. She wants to leave. She's tired of thinking. No, it's just her contract has a hard out date. They can't extend it. They can't do anything with it. <clears throat> And, and once it's up, it's up, you know, and I, from what I've read, th- this was always the plan yeah. to have a match with her. It's just because of the injury that took place kind of forced their hands a little bit and they didn't get to develop it necessarily the way they wanted to. Right. But at the end of the day, the best friends who have been training partners for, I don't know how long since Shayna was doing MMA yeah. in the UFC, this has been building for the the showdown between them, and this is all Baszler to get the big win that she needs on the main roster to elevate her to the next level. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a fun match. This is going to be, I'm going to say out loud, like this is going to be one of the most hard-hitting matches of the weekend because I think they're yeah. really going to throw some hands. I think this could end up being, it's going to be a wrestling match, but I think this could turn into a little bit of an MMA. U- oh, I agree, U- fully. UFC match, you know, because they both got the background for it. I think it's going to ultimately end up being Shayna just because if the rumors are true and Ronda's on her way out, why the hell does she need to win this fight? You mm-hmm. know, you want to build up Shayna. You want people to take her seriously, which let's face it, outside of her debut and kind of the interim time of her after her debut, I think she lost some of the sparkle and some of the lust and the, the luster that like, oh, it's Shayna. Holy shit. Now it's kind of like, oh, yeah, hey, it's Shayna. You know, I think beating Ronda and kind of like maybe definitively, like maybe help even getting her to Ronda to tap out to an arm bar or, or something crazy like that. Just to make fans sit there and go, whoa, like she's a legit threat. I, you know, I think it's going to be Shayna, though. Oh, it's, it's Shayna all day. And I do agree with it. I think it's going to turn into an MMA fight before it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see a submission here. And I think it's going to be the definitive statement to get Baszler to that next level. Yeah. Which she's she's there mm-hmm. and we we all have known from her time in NXT like she's been there but when you translate to the main roster and how you have to do more gimmick entertainment mm-hmm. so to speak like this is a situation that it all comes into play for this yes so but Baszler for the win a submission win on top of that next up is a singles matchup for the WWE Intercontinental Championship and you've got uh, Gunther defending his belt against Drew McIntyre this is going to be a great match. Yes. Uh, the build for this has been you know, a little short, so to speak, but it gets everybody over. Drew coming back off an of injury and time off, he's definitely going to be making a run, and we don't know exactly where it's going to wind up, but I think in this spot it's a perfect opponent for Gunther. Yeah. Because he is buying time for the eventual feud, which I fully see coming with one Cody Rhodes. Mm. So this will keep... Gunther's title run going, which if I'm not mistaken, he's very, very close to setting the all-time record. Yes. Uh, so coming from, I was trying to look that up as you were talking, and I found it. Uh, the official WWE Twitter account tweeted this out a couple days ago uh, as we recorded. Tweeted it out on July 29th. So this number has gone up 
couple, but not drastically that I need to addend anything. Okay. Uh, but the uh, he's currently was currently sitting at 414 days when this was initially sent out. So add you know a couple days uh, onto 414. But nevertheless, uh, next up is 424 days and then 453 days. So he's currently sitting at the third longest all time uh, intercontinental championship reign. Oh, he's going to break Honky Tonk Man's yeah, record. Yeah, he's, he's going to get there. Yeah, Honky Tonk Man's record is gone. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that'll be when Gunther loses. So they might even mm-hmm. delay the Cody Rhodes thing a little bit if they want to to get to that point. And I'm not – well, you know, I could see Cody winning, but I could also see him away from the title picture. I just think that that's the smart money to do when you lead into the eventual program sure. at, for WrestleMania. Like, sure. you have to because, I'm sorry, Gunther is over and so is Imperium. Right. And you're just running out of contenders for him because it's the good and bad thing about having long title reigns. Right. Well, so I'm, I'm just doing some math. Uh, he's sitting at, we'll just say 414 for argument's sake. Sure. You know, he's, so he's sitting roughly, you know, 39, 40, de- 40 days away from beating him. It's obviously under that now. But 40 days away from today would put it at September 9th of this year. Uh, the next pay-per-view after SummerSlam is Payback, which is on September 2nd. So he wouldn't lose this in theory until Fast Lane, which isn't until October. Which, w- w- which by that point, you know, the pay-per-view takes place October 7th. He'll be well over Honky Tonk Man's record. So at that point, once he crosses that date of beating Honky Tonk Man, it's all a matter of just when do they, how long do they want to build up the reign and until he loses it? Yeah, that's a great question because right now, I mean, he's money. Yeah, and he that's, is. that's yeah. the whole thing. I mean, if they even want to keep extending the feud with <coughs> Drew, they could. Mm-hmm. It all depends on really where they're going with this. But I fully think for this match, you're going to have a great match. And I think Gunther retains. I, I just don't see them making the move, especially with being that close to breaking the record. I just, just don't want them to lose anytime soon, him to lose anytime soon, because that means we hear Samantha Irvin announce Imperium's names a little less often, and I would miss that. Yes, me too. Uh, next up is a singles matchup between Ricochet and Logan Paul. Well, this one is going to be an entertaining one. It's going to be something. Well, you think about Logan Paul and say what you will about him. He has a lot of various opinions for various reasons. (laughs) Yeah, he does. But when he's in a WWE ring, he takes it very seriously. Mm -hmm. He understands how to get himself over as a character. And he is not afraid to try doing a show-stealing move. I applaud him for that because he could have came in here and half-assed it. Yeah, he could have. And just really not taking it with any grain of... Tried to do it on name recognition alone. Yeah, with any grain of credibility. He goes in there and he does what he needs to do. He's, you know, as far as we've heard, there's been no issues with him backstage, especially with how big he is. If there is, Christ, they keep it under wraps real well. Right. And I think that this is also a big move for Ricochet. Because we all know that Ricochet came through NXT, obviously being on the indies and and yep. really made a name for himself. Yep. And when he was in NXT, he's stealing the show there too. Uh-huh. Since he's been on the main roster, let's face it. Hit or miss. Very hit or miss. Yeah. And I think to be put in a high-profile match. Where people are going to watch. Mm-hmm, where anything can happen and anything can go viral. He's in a prime position to elevate his stock. Mm-hmm. Win, lose, or draw. Mm-hmm. 
So the match, I'm expecting some crazy possible ladder spot. I'm, I'm expecting a ladder spot with a phone just because you look at uh, Logan Paul's history where, you know, he had the spot with Roman where he had the selfie stick mm-hmm. and he went to splash or whatever onto Roman with the selfie stick. And then he had, you know, he's done a couple spots with the phone. You know, KSI had the phone at WrestleMania, you know, this past year. You know, and then then you look at this past Monday night where he attacked Ricochet in the ring and had a phone and recorded the whole thing. Yeah. Regardless of whatever happens, Logan's going to tweet out a video of this, post a video of this to Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you know, tout whatever else. Mm-hmm. It's going to go viral. So this, this, no matter what happens to Ricochet in this match, win, lose, or draw, it's going to be good for him because it's going to get him a lot of exposure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm calling Logan Paul to win. Yeah, me too. He's got to win sometime. I mean, he's lost. Arguably, like every match except the one against the Miz way back when, if I'm not mistaken. I can look it up. Yeah, he has been on a losing streak, but with him, it, it doesn't matter because he's a part time wrestler. Like, he sure, could he have won money in the bank? Yeah. Could he win the Royal Rumble? I mean, if they wanted to. It'd but, be a hell of a pick. But you know what? He doesn't need it to get himself over. I mean, he's just over as is. You are correct. He has one, two, three, four, five, six matches in his professional record. Uh, the most recent was Money in the Bank, where he was in the ladder match. Of course, he did not win. Prior to that was uh, night one of WrestleMania 39, where Seth Rollins defeated him. Before that was the 2023 Royal Rumble, where, of course, we know he did not win. Prior to that was he when he faced Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. And, well, Roman's still champ, so we know how that one went. Mm-hmm. His last win was against The Miz at SummerSlam 2022. Uh, and then he's only got one other win. That was when he tag-teamed with The Miz at night one of WrestleMania 38 and beat Ray and Dominic Mysterio. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, he has yep. not won a lot. Yeah, so. so he's got, uh, out of the six matches, he's uh, two and four. Right. So this one, I think he does win, but this also helps Ricochet tremendously, yeah. too. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's it's As much as I would like to see Ricochet get the rub, I, th- I think they're going to give it to Logan Paul. Yeah, which, I mean, listen, doesn't hurt anybody. No, not at all. In all honesty. Not at all. Next up is a triple threat match for the WWE Women's Championship, and you've got Asuka defending her belt against both Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair. This is going to be a fantastic match. Yeah, it I is. I mean, ever since... Oh, go I'm sorry. Uh, I say it could be match of the weekend. Absolutely. Since Asuka defeated Bianca Belair... And the reappearance of Charlotte Flair, it's mm-hmm. been a very highly combustible atmosphere between <laughs> all three of them. Mm-hmm. And I like how they're setting this up. And when we get to Saturday, I'm going to say Asuka retains. And the only reason I'm saying this is I'm going to actually call a shot right now. Okay. One of your marquee matchups at WrestleMania next year is Bianca Belair versus Charlotte Flair. Right. I'm just pencil that in right now. Sure. And I think, and this would be some real long-term booking if they can do this long enough, mm-hmm. you keep those two separated from a one-on-one match Okay. for now till then. Okay. To my recollection, I don't think they've ever faced each other one-on-one. I don't think so. But I know that Bianca has faced Bailey, Bianca has faced Sasha, and Bianca has faced Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. So that's three out of the four horsewomen. Yeah. So why not go for the sweep on the biggest stage of them all. Because that's where I think you could have a lot of big money going into things. And I think that that could be just, you talk about records we were saying with the UFC, that's a huge win for Bianca. 
when it's all said and done. They have had a couple of singles matchups. Uh, I'm looking on ProFightDB.com. Uh, they've teamed up a couple times, but most recently uh, there was a wi- Raw women's title match on an episode of Monday Night Raw from October 2021 where uh, Bianca defeated champion Charlotte, but it was by DQ. Okay. So they have faced each other a couple of times, but that was the last time, you know, so they tagged up against with they tagged with each other on an episode of SmackDown on in July. You know, they tagged on a super show here in July. You know, they were on the UK tour and they faced each other, but it was a triple threat. They faced each other, but it was a triple threat. So Bailey was involved. You know, she was in the Royal Rumble with her, you know, so a couple of, but the last time they faced each other one-on-one was the October 18th, 2021 edition of Monday Night Raw. So it's been, you know, a year and a half. I was going to say it's been a year and a half and I honestly forgot about that. Oh, I did too. But like I say, because I just still think they're going to give that one the big moment at WrestleMania. Yeah, looking uh, because I sorted it by the opponent. It's only the it's only three times they faced each other. The one I mentioned, another episode of Monday Night Raw that same year, and then where it went uh, the same way, Bianca won by DQ. Uh, and then prior to that was a singles matchups on an episode of NXT in February of 2020. Yeah. Well, NXT is – oh, that's right, because that was during the uh, the Charlotte time down there. Yep. Yep. Well, it'd be, you know, it would be interesting nevertheless um, – wow, I keep saying that a lot today. That will be the word of the, or the phrase of the, the show this week. Never, take, a sh- take a shot every time he says it. Yep. Nevertheless. Uh, no, but I, this is Asuka's to win. I don't think they yeah. would make the switch right now. Yeah. I, I think it's Asuka's to win. I think there will be a moment – where because they've been kind of teasing the split up between Bailey and Eo Sky, I think something will happen in this matchup with those two, like Eo, because it's a triple threat. It's usually an odds-on opportunity for one of the Money in the Bank title holders to come in and shenanigans and try and cash in and get a win. Mm-hmm. I think we might get. I don't think she'll cash in. I think she's going to try to, and then something's going to happen with Bailey, and it's going to cost the two. It's going to cost EO her opportunity, you know, and, and again, not saying she's going to lose, but just she won't be able to cash in because of something Bailey does. Right. And that'll lead to a, ma- a singles matchup between the two. Yeah. It's going to be a great match, though. Absolutely. Can't wait to see it. Next up is a singles matchup for the World Heavyweight Championship where we've got Seth freaking Rollins defending his belt against Finn Balor. If it wasn't for the bloodline, the Judgment Day storyline would be the premier storyline in WWE. Abso-goddamn-lutely. And who would have thought a year ago we would be saying this? Well, and especially when they turned Edge heel, mm-hmm. he brought in Damien, and then he brought in Rhea. And, it, and I'll be honest, I was intrigued, but I wasn't like, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until they kicked, you know, they brought Finn in and immediately kicked Edge out that I'm like, all right, this could be something. And the and the more time has gone on, and the more I've let it play out, and just sat there and watched, it's become must watch segments for me. Because they come out, you know, Dom Dom's coming with them. Dirty yeah. Dirty Dom Dominic Mysterio is coming out with the most nuclear heat I've ever seen since Roman beat Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Week in and week out, folks, it ain't going down. It ain't getting any quieter. He is the most nuclear heat person on the roster, and it's incredible to watch. But it's become must-watch segments, and I'm like, I got to see what they're going to do. I eat my words with Dominic Mysterio a lot now. Hey, you got you got your wish. He's doing time at NXT. Yes, and you know what? <laughs> What's the one thing for years? You said he needs to go down at NXT and have some matches. Well, he did that, and you know, it, and it's working. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll take my victory lap about this. Yeah, this is establishing him. There's really no pressure on him on the main roster because he's with Rhea. But this lets him really work on his stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm 
perfectly fine with him being North American champion. Yeah. It took me a second to process it that it actually happened, but you know what? After seeing the Great American Bash, which I know we're not going to get a chance to talk about, I really think like he's found his niche. The only thing he's the only thing I think he might be missing, and if he doesn't do this, this is fine. Start pulling some Eddie Guerrero type stuff. Oh, you didn't see the one video no. interview he did because uh, somebody said, "Would you ever reconcile with your father?" Yeah. And he goes, I, "I dream about it every night. It keeps me up. I really wish I could, but unfortunately, since he's passed, rest in peace, Eddie." Oh shit! He has gotten a lot better on oh, the microphone too. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I'll sell. I'll see if we can post this the clip on social media for ODPH. That's amazing. It's yeah, but he's but like the little stuff he does here. Yeah, it works. And this is being around people like Finn and Damian, yep. especially Rhea. Yeah, who everybody in this faction has elevated their stock tremendously. Right. So now you have them in a situation where they have a compelling storyline going on because Damian Priest won Money in the Bank. Yeah, I know for everybody that lost their mind because it was an L.A. night, we have a better story going on. Yeah, we do. Just saying. Several feuds that could pop out of that. Uh-huh. So you have that going on. Finn Balor is now back as a main eventer. Thank God. Which has been a long time coming. Long overdue. And you also have Rhea who's doing her thing and now is bec- she's on that – cusp of breaking out into that next level of pop culture superstardom most dominant woman on monday night raw and you know what i'm not going to argue with her right but like i say the way that she's crossed over now yes. i mean this proves how this faction's working so now to be put in this title picture against seth rollins who's brought some prestige back to this uh, new belt and really made it into a, a must watch you know feud every time it's mm-hmm. on this is going to be something special i am not doubting that Seth wins, but you're going to see the the cracking of the Judgment Day, unfortunately. I could say it. And I think that you're going to have, like, Damien sees that Finn is knocked out, but so is Seth. He tries going in for the belt. Finn interrupts the count. Yeah. They have some nonsense, so now Damien wastes his money in the bank. Yeah, and, yeah. And we build from there. But you know what? That's perfectly fine to do. But Seth wins at the end of the day. I, I could I could see something where you know Damien goes to knock out Seth, hits Finn, and and Damien seeing the opportunity like Seth, it's it's so deep into the match, mm-hmm. you know, fifteen twenty minutes, whatever it is into the match, and Seth, you know, breathing deep, you know, sitting in the corner, can't really collect himself because he's so out of it, you know, and, and Damien's doing the what do I do? Do I help my brother? You know, quote unquote brother? You know, get in the ring and put him over for the pin because I'm guessing there's probably gonna be a rough bump with this with this match. Oh yeah. Um, but do I do I bring my brother in and put the pin over and let him win the belt, or do I cash in? And then and win it myself, and he's going to play that back and forth game, and he might even go back and forth running a couple times to try and figure it out. And but what's ultimately going to lead to is Finn coming to seeing what he's doing and put and put you know it's it's the old you know Eddie Guerrero chair spot, mm-hmm. hit the chair on the thing, toss it in the opponent's hand, fall over, and the ref goes, "Hey, wait a minute, what did you do?" Finn's not going to know what uh, Damian tried to do, but he's going to just assume, "Hey." You knocked me out. Yeah. you. He's not going to know he tried to knock Seth out, but he accidentally hit Finn. You tried to knock me out. What are you doing? And that, like you said, lead to the f- uh, fracturing. Yeah, it's it's all nothing but win here. J.D. McDonough might actually make an appearance here too because we haven't seen him on TV in a while. And it's been a while since they did that tease with Finn talking to him backstage. Yeah, so just saying keep your eyes out for that. Yeah. Uh, next up is a singles matchup between Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. Adrenaline. It's in your soul. Something, something. Cody Rhodes. 
So this feud is doing exactly what it needs to do. Uh-huh. It's putting Cody through his own trials and tribulations to get to the title shot. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And especially with the ironic timing of his uh, documentary series. God, I can't wait to watch that. that. Yeah, we'll be talking about next week on the show. I this is perfect for him in such a, a you know a co-main event stat, if mm-hmm. you will. Him against Brock Lesnar helps solidify himself to the WWE universe. Mm-hmm. Not wrestling fans, because anybody that watches AEW mm-hmm. knows who Cody Rose is. Now fans are so over with Cody mm-hmm. that him getting the big win over Brock Lesnar, which we still don't have a stipulation yet. I'm sure we're going to get it on Monday, on Monday night this week. No, we're, we're going to get it. It's going to be something. I hope it's not a dog collar match. I really hope it's not. Yeah. I've heard that rumor floating. Yeah. I really, 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 really don't want to see that. But I hope it's going to be something. And But Cody wins nevertheless, and he goes on to start setting up the next feud. And, I mean, in all honesty, it could be against the Judgment Day. It could be. I mean, depending on where they want to go with things. I don't know because I think the easy money would be Gunther, but I don't know if they're going to do with the, with the Intercontinental title. I think we're, I think Cody's ultimately going to win this, but I usually with SummerSlam, there's at least like one run-in, one surprise, whatever, with, with SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be the match we see it, with, and it's going to be whoever Cody's next opponent is. Oh, I, I, I could see it happening. I have a guess who it could be. Uh-huh. Bray Wyatt. Ooh. Ooh. Bray has been gone for reasons. Yeah, nobody really knows. We don't know. I'm not going to speculate. I Yep, yeah, I'm not going near that. Just all I know is he's been gone. There's been rumors. I could see it happening Ooh, here. You know what could happen is Cody gets the win, standing victorious, pumping his fist. He might get a, he might get a camera shot of Brandy in the front row because, you know, the documentary and featured prominently and whatever else. And the music, of course, every time, every match, this isn't going to be in a Cody exclusive thing. What happens after every match? The winning wrestler gets their theme music played mm-hmm. as they're celebrating, as they're walking off, whatever else. You watch Monday Night Raw, watch SmackDown, watch NXT. It happens every show. Cody's going to be standing there, corner of the ring, middle of the ring, whatever, celebrating. I beat Brock. Yeah, all right. You know, whatever. And the music's playing. And then it slowly starts to slow down and, and fade away and kind of get garbled, kind of like a cassette tape used yep. to when, it, when the cassette tape ran out. Uh, you know, and, and then the Cody's like, what's, what's going on? What the, what the heck's going on? And the lights will start to flicker and then they cut out and you got Michael Cole and Wade Bear going, what the heck, what the heck is going on here? And then you just hear the music and Bray Wyatt come back. I'm all right with that. I'm completely fine with that. Might actually blow out the, uh, speakers this time. Well, that's the whole thing with Bray. He needs a high-profile match to come back. He's yeah. way better as a heel. Yes, he is. And whatever incarnation he's going to be, mm-hmm. it's not going to be the Fiend, and I'm perfectly fine. Just let that character go. Yeah, yeah. But whatever character we get of Bray is going to be the heel, and that's a good program to put him in. Yeah, have him do this, some supernatural stuff, not the Fiend, but do some supernatural. You're the ultimate good guy. Well, I'm the ultimate bad guy sent by the devil. Yeah, or or something. It writes itself. Write that pad. That that's very good. I like that. Thank you. Uh, and then next up, and in the main event, it is going to be Roman Reigns defending his undisputed WWE Universal Championship against Jay Uso. Of course, Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa will be in Roman's corner. But not only is this going to be for the championship. No, 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 folks. This is going to be for recognition and the title of Tribal Chief. 
Yeah, tribal combat, which means anything goes. Yep. And this has been a, a match waiting to be ran back for quite some time. Mm-hmm. The story is wrestling's best, period. Hands down. You can say arguably of all time. You can. It's now in that conversation. The fact that it's been going on for three years is absolutely wild. But it still is red hot as ever, and fans are still invested in it. Uh-huh. And now with Jey Uso finally making the break from Roman, they've been building it up very nicely. A couple of things here and there that I, I wasn't like really like sure. – I was a little more puzzled about sure. because they've been almost cordial at certain points, and, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like why at this stage? But either way <coughs> I – th- I think in that aspect it's, it's a case of I don't like you, but I at least have respect for you. Yeah, it could be. And, I mean, obviously – how they've been building it, it, I'm not complaining about it. Like I right. say, just a couple moments threw me off here and there, but not enough to make me say it's bad by any means. This is going to be an amazing match. It's still going to be Roman at the end of the day. Yep. I mean, there is, if you want to do percentages, there is a 25% chance Jay wins. There's always a chance. I'll give him 25%. Mm-hmm. But I still think in my heart of hearts, we're going Cody Roman mania. And that's when it happens. I think anything else right now, no. Mm-hmm. And as much as Jay is over, and there's no question he is over, I don't think he's getting the belt this time around. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm going to say 75% Roman, 25 Jay. Yeah, no, I listen, it's going to be Roman at the end of the day. I think there will be a moment there where Solo has to help Roman win again. Mm-hmm. Because you notice that the last pay-per-view, Roman had to, where it was the tag match with them against the Usos. Yeah. And there was that moment where where Roman was despondent and just couldn't bring himself together to pick himself up. and like, hey, job's not done. We got to finish this. Solo looked at him and went, what the fuck are you doing? Get up. We got to do this. Yeah. They've not made mention of it since. I think there's going to be another one of those moments here where Solo has to pick Roman up, and that's where you're going to see start to maybe see some cracks between him and Solo. Like, yo, you're supposed to be the guy. Mm. You're supposed to be the head of the table, the tribal chief, the undefeated one, and now you're starting to look like a bum yeah, or something. And I don't think it's going to lead to you know, a matchup between him and Solo at Payback. I don't think it's going to lead to a matchup between him and Solo at Fastlane. But at some point down the road, maybe the Royal Rumble. I think at some point, though, you will see a split between the two. Because like I've said before, and I maintain, to beat Roman, you need to remove all of the protective walls he's mm-hmm. got around him. You need to remove the Usos, which, hey, Usos are gone. Yeah, He's still got Solo Sokoa. You know, you saw what happened on Friday Night SmackDown where Jay tried to attack him. Solo was still there to hit the spike. And God almighty, the, the spear-spike combo they got going. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a hell of a finisher, got to say. But you still got Solo there. You can't beat Roman, much as we saw at WrestleMania, even though the Usos weren't didn't show up. They got taken out by Kevin and Sammy. Solo was still there, even though he got thrown out of the match. Yeah, You got to remove Solo. And the only way to remove Solo is to get him out of the bloodline. How they do that, I don't know. I'm not the one writing the show or booking the show. But I think Roman's going to win. He's going to continue his title reign. But there's going to be another moment in this matchup that kind of fractures and puts some doubt in the head of Solo Sokoa. I definitely see that. In fact, I think they run it at Survivor Series. Okay. In Chicago. Okay. 
I think that that's where they go with that. And then after Roman wins there, he takes time off. Okay. I could see him returning at the Royal Rumble. Against who? I'm, I'm not sure. Right. But it's going to be a throwaway match in comparison because he's going to be gearing up for a Cody. So he's got to return then. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, unless they went into that without him in the title sh- picture, because now that they have Seth Rollins' right. world title, they can supplement right. that in right. the, as a main event. There's a lot of storylines that can happen from this, but that's where I think they're going. I think it'll be Solo and Roman at uh, Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Roman's gone until then. He might reappear and like run in at the end of the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Yeah. Hit Cody with a Superman punch and spear. Yeah. Just say he's back. And then we go into WrestleMania season. Like I can see that happen. Oh, I can too. But regardless of that, it's a very, very solid card top to bottom, I think. For this year, for oh, absolutely, I agree. So we're definitely gonna be talking about it. And in the meantime, hit us up on that hashtag hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about WWE SummerSlam taking place this Saturday in Detroit? We definitely want to have that conversation. And if you're looking for more pro wrestling content, make sure to go check out the latest edition of Six or Seven TWS, the wrestling show on your favorite podcast provider. Because we're definitely doing a deep dive into all the other independent promotions going on right now. Because there's a lot of good wrestling to talk about. So let's do it. But that said, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. First of which is obviously the local minute. We got to mention some Binghamton Black Bears news uh, because it came out just the last week, uh, specifically on Thursday, July 27th, that the Binghamton Black Bears have signed a new lease agreement. Hey, now. Reading from the official BinghamtonBlackBears.com Facebook page, it says, quote, the Binghamton Black Bears are excited to announce a new three-year lease agreement has been signed by team owner and president Andreas Johansson. County Executive Jason Garner spoke on the team's success, saying, quote, The Black Bears have been a huge success for Broome County, bringing tens of thousands of fans to the Visions Veterans Memorial Arena. I appreciate the hard work of owner Andreas Johansson and his entire team to create an experience that the whole family can enjoy. I'm really looking forward to another great year of hockey, close quote. The new lease is set to begin at the start of the 2024-2025 season as Visions Veterans Memorial Arena will continue to be the home of the Black Bears until the conclusion of the 2026-2027 campaign. The Black Bears have led the have led the Federal Prospects Hockey League in attendance numbers in both of their first two years. This past season, the club became the first team in league history to surpass 100,000 fans in a single year. Since becoming the anchor tenant inside the arena, the Black Bears have been able to host more events than just hockey. Members of the community have been able to participate in fan fests, career fairs, meet and greets, post-game skating, and many more fan-based activities. Close quote. So, hey, uh, for once in the last 10 years, we're not going to be sitting here going, what the hell are we going to do for a hockey team? Yeah. No, it's nice to see. I mean, I haven't got a chance to get down to a game. Planning on it this fall. And you know what? It's great to see 
18 playing hockey here. Yeah. So I would just say, like, for any of our international listeners, this has always been a very, very big hockey county. Yes. So yes. And, it, and it's been kind of up in the air the last couple of years because we had the uh, minor league affiliate of the Ottawa Senators for a number of years, and then they left. Mm-hmm. We had the New Jersey Devils affiliate for all of a cup of tea, and yeah. then they left after, like, two years. And so it's become a what the hell are we going to do? We got a team in here, and they're sticking around, which is nice to see. Yes, absolutely. Then we got to talk about some Binghamton Rumble Ponies news. And Mets fans uh, here in the 607, you should be excited because a couple of big-name prospects are coming here to Binghamton. Yeah. Uh, the first of which is the top pro- pitching prospect, Blade Tidwell, has been promoted to A Binghamton from Single A uh, Brooklyn. Uh, reading from the Binghamton Rumble Ponies official sites, it says, quote, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, A affiliate of the New York Mets, announced Tuesday that right-handed pitcher Blade Tidwell has been promoted to Double-A Binghamton. He is expected to start on Wednesday in his Double-A debut against the New Hampshire Fisher Cats at Morabito Stadium at 6.35 p.m. Tidwell, who ranks as the Mets' top pitching prospect and the organization's number six prospect overall by MLB Pipeline, was 8-3 with a 3.09 ERA in 17 starts this year at High A Brooklyn. Tidwell was drafted by the Mets in the second round, 52nd overall, of the 2022 draft out of the University of Tennessee. Uh, So big shout out to him for making the promotion to Binghamton. Also of no expected to be assigned to Binghamton is a guy the Mets just recently traded for uh, with, I believe it was the Texas Rangers uh, for Max Scherzer. So, of course, that trade went down just the other Mm -hmm. day. They got this gentleman by the name of Luis Sanjel Acuna. Uh, And again, reading from the uh, Binghamton Rumble Ponies website, it says, quote, infielder Luis Sanjel Acuna, who ranks as the number two prospect in the New York Mets system by MLB Pipeline and the number 44 overall prospect in major league baseball is expected to be assigned to double a binghamton on tuesday the mets acquired acuna from the texas rangers in a trade for right-handed pitcher max scherzer and cast considerations on sunday in 84 games uh, for double a frisco this season he slashed 315 377 453 with 25 doubles two triples 51 runs batted in 68 runs scored and 42 stolen bases uh, following Sunday's games, the Venezuela native led the Texas League in stolen bases with 42 and runs with 68, ranked second in hits with 114, was tied for second in doubles with 25, and ranked fourth in batting average with 315. He has tallied 40 more or more stolen bases in each of the last three seasons. Acuna is one of six players in all of minor league baseball to have at least 40 stolen bases and an OPS of 800 or higher this season. Close quote. So couple of bit. I know Mets fans, you know, much like us Yankees fans, it seems like things are down in the dumps. You ain't got much to look forward to. Uh, but hey, if you're here in the 607 area or if you're a Mets fan, and you're in the, or in or within driving distance of one of their uh, opponents uh, on the road, you got a chance to see some uh, big-name prospects there. Always a great thing about minor league yeah, baseball. Yeah, you never know who's going to come through. Yeah, you get to see the stars of tomorrow yeah. today. So Yeah, uh, and then looking at the Rumble Ponies from their schedule this past week, uh, they, had a, they had a game uh, series on the road against the Reading Fight and Phils. Uh, they were supposed to have a game on Tuesday the 25th. However, that was suspended due to uh, weather. Uh, was uh, completed on Wednesday as part of a doubleheader where they won the first game five to three lost the second game by the final score of two to one 
On Thursday, the 27th, they won 6-3. Friday, the 28th, they won by the final score of 3-2. Won again on Saturday by the final score of 3-1. And won on Sunday by the final score of 4-2-3. And as we mentioned, they are at home this week. Uh, Tuesday, the uh, August 1st, they are going to be playing the New Hampshire Fisher Cats at 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Wednesday, they are going to be playing at 6.35 p.m. Eastern. Thursday, they're going to be playing at 6.35 p.m. Eastern. uh, Friday, they're going to be playing at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. That is one of the fireworks series nights. So stick around after the game. There'll be a great set of fireworks. Uh, And then on Saturday, it will be a start time of 6.07 p.m. Eastern because it's 6.07 Saturdays. Uh, And then on Sunday, it will be a start time of 5.05 p.m. Eastern. Uh, So for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, go to bingrp.com. Then one more piece of baseball news I got to talk about. Folks, for those of you who signed up for the Patreon, I thank you. I uh, appreciate your donations and your contributions to the podcast each and every day, uh, each and every month, because it helps us show up tremendously, helps us do things we're not uh, able to do, helps us open doors we're not able to. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> Get them, Pat. It might, also open, it might also bail me out of jail, because folks, for the last, God, Ken, what's it been, three years? Yes. At, at least. I have signed off every edition of the sports show with, fuck, the Astros, because I hate the Houston Astros. I hate the fact that they cheated to win a World Series. They got busted for it, and then fuck all happened. Now, some of you may be saying, well, you're a Patriots fan. How can you boo for a team that, to team that cheated? Patriots never got caught in the Super Bowl. Patriots got caught in the regular season. There are allegations about this. <laughs> there are allegations about the Super Bowl. There are hearsay, rumors, and uh, insinuations about the Super Bowl. Nothing ever proven. They never got busted in the Super Bowl. They got busted in the regular season. They got busted in the regular season, yeah. They got busted in the regular season. They got, they got their punishments handed out. The, the Astros got a fucking slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. So a couple couple months ago, I got an offer for to go to a Yankees game. And I was reading the email, and I was like, I was like, oh, we were you know, setting up a uh, going to a Yankee game with the local organization that does bus trips for New York sports teams. You know, the Rangers, the Knicks, the Yankees, the Mets, you know, the Giants, the Jets, the Bills, uh, the, all the major sports teams. Yes. And they, the email didn't say who it was. And it just said, oh, tickets are $125 each. And I knew I'd tra- use this company several times to go to Yankees games. And I knew how they worked. They're like, depending on who the team is, depending on how much. Uh, the tickets would be, and I knew, okay, I'm like, okay, 125. This isn't exactly, you know, the the Tampa Bay Rays, the Texas Rangers, or what have you, and it's not the Mets or the Red Sox. I go, mm-hmm. this, this is a fairly good team, and I was like, who the fuck are they playing? And I looked, and it's this Saturday, August the 5th, 1.05 p.m. Eastern, uh, where it's going to be Yankees baseball card pack day. Uh, they're playing the Houston Astros, and I went, oh, I need to go. Yeah. I, I need to go. So I, I messaged my girlfriend, Liz Bailey, and I was like, we need we need to go to this Yankee game on August fifth. She's like, why? I was like, because they're playing the Astros, and I might get arrested because I'm going to be yelling profanities. I'm going to be screaming profusely. Uh, so I'm going to apologize to small children around me in advance. Whatever the stadium start, if Jose Altuve plays, because I don't even know his current status right now. If, if Jose Altuve starts playing, I am not going to apologize for what I say to this man. Uh, he is one of the chief goers, one of the chief reasons uh, for the cheating stuff. But yeah, I'm going to be at Yankee Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, we will probably be uh, doing that recap on Patreon just if, just in case. If I'm out of jail. For legality reasons alone. So that patrons, you can hear about Pad talking about Yankee Stadium for next month. Because I know this month got a little crazy. We didn't get a chance to do a full episode for everybody. Like 
which everybody was super patient and understanding about. But, yeah, I think that we'll do that. The pads trip to Yankee Stadium if he's out of jail by next week. Because uh, there's every possibility I could get arrested for this weekend. Yeah, this is legitimate. Yeah. This, this is like – I hate the Astros. Yeah, I don't think people understand the levels Fuck em. Of, of hatred Pat has Fuck them. for them. They, they rival Boston. Uh, I think I hate them more than Boston. I, I think so, too, actually, to be honest with you. So uh-huh. it, it could happen. Uh, so that said, one last sports thing, and then we got to do some entertainment because obviously everybody knows if you listened last week, uh, I am currently under the uh, strike guidelines for the Writers Guild and uh, uh, the Screen Actors Screen Actors Guild stuff going on. So listen to last week's episode. It explains it all then. But uh, one last thing because there was some boxing that went down this weekend, and I know we don't talk boxing a lot but unless it's a great fight, and this was two fighters in their prime going at it, and, man, this – this shows just the elite level of Terrence Crawford because he just absolutely destroyed Errol Spence. I just got one gripe with him. What's that? You you hyped up the fact you were going to have Eminem coming out with you. Yeah. He, and Eminem did come out with him. I was expecting, and, and Lose Yourself started playing, which was like the ultimate walkout music. I don't care what sport you're playing. Yeah. You didn't have Eminem rapping with you. Yeah, I thought that was odd, too. I, that's my one gripe. You had Eminem there. It was cool. You came out together. Lose Your Stuff started playing. And I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go. They're in Vegas. I think they were at the MGM. Uh, T-Mobile. They're, no, okay. They were at the T-Mobile. And I'm like, oh, shit. He's going to start singing Lose Yourself. And then he just kept walking. And I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a shame. Yeah, no. I was very, very surprised at that. But just to see how much Crawford destroyed Spence Jr., was freaking insane to me because I mean, like I say, we don't talk boxing that often. Like we do with Joey from So Wizard. Shout out to Joey, um, and a lot of other fans of uh, uh, the ODP Society that chime in. They're like, you know, when there's a big fight going on because boxing is kind of in these weird lulls. Mm-hmm. Like occasionally there's a major fight and then there's not. This was a major fight that really flew under the radar unless you're into boxing. And when I caught wind of this, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely checking this out. And Crawford took care of Spence in the ninth round. Like, this just was lopsided. And it just goes to show how good Crawford is. Like, Spence is not a joke by any stretch of the imagination. Just Crawford was that much better. Right. And it's scary. So now Crawford is 40-0, and 31 knockouts. Jesus. Just saying. So I'm just leaving it at that. Congratulations. I don't know if they're going to run it back because, uh, like, this was so lopsided. I, I don't see how you can. Right. But we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out because it is boxing and weird stuff happens there. Yeah, this is true. So that being said, we are switching over to the Entertainment Edition stuff. And honestly, there's a couple of big things coming out from comics from our friends at Image Comics. Shout out to them. Hey. They sent us a nice press release talking about they have more Walking Dead variant covers coming out in honor of the Walking Dead anniversary in October. Nice. So if you are into uh, the Walking Dead, it's going to be a great time, especially if you're picking up Image Comics. So keep your eyes out for the variants. They're going to be going through a lot of their different books. Yeah. They look great. Um, and I know they just added a few more, a uh, couple series that we've been covering. Click Click Boom is going to have one. A Local Man, which a lot of people got to get into that book. I'm surprised it's not making as much buzz as it is because that book is absolutely crazy. So you're going to see a lot of these uh, mashups happen. That's probably mm-hmm. the easiest way to describe them. Coming out in October, and there's so many variants coming. If you're an Image Comics fan, you're definitely going to want to pick them up. There's more information, imagecomics.com, and I've seen some of them. I know Pat is not into horror, so I'm trying to find nope. stuff that he is not into. I like I say, Walking Dead, though. No, but this is the Click Click Boom one Oh, from the promotional area. Interesting. Yeah, so it's... it's That's uh, nice. Yeah, which I, I'm going to be looking for 
very, very hard because that, that cover looks great, along with a lot of the other ones. So like I say, more information on that, imagecomics.com. And then we got a great press release from Distillery. Now, we hey. talked about them last week uh, from San Diego Comic-Con. So this comes right from their PR team, quoting, Distillery, the next-generation publisher redefining creator-owned comics and collectibles, today revealed that its debut publication, the 88-page 999 short story collection entitled The Devil's Cut, uh, is exceeded over 50,000 units from comic book stores for orders. That is awesome. And that is a big deal. Yeah. If you don't realize that for indies books, that is huge. Yeah. Um, so like I say, all this information is coming from distillery. That is definitely something that if you're not on board, you need to get on board. I've been screaming this for a while since I heard about this. This company is going to be doing monster things in the remainder of 2023 and beyond. Mm-hmm. And how the structure is set up there, they have literally a who's who of comic book greats involved with this. And it's going to be something that once these books get rolling, and I know it kicks off with Jocks Gone in October, after the Devil's Cut, like it's going to be something you're going to want to pick up. So more information on that, distillery spelled D-S-T-L-R-Y dot co. And just make sure you're following distillery, same spelling, underscore media on social medias. And like, listen, if you're a comic book fan, I'm screaming at you. Get on board now. Don't come up to me like six months later going, I never heard about this. This is how good this is. I'm telling you right now. I can't wait to pick this book up when it drops. So, Pad, let's end this how we always do for the entertainment style. What are we picking up at the comic shops this week? Uh, just one thing from the folks over at DC Comics, and that is Adventures of Superman, John Kempt, issue number six with from Tom Taylor. Description of this reads, it's Batman versus Superman, Super Sun versus Super Sun. And just as Superman is ruling with a fist of steel, can John Kent free an entire world? And what could he lose if he tries? Cannot wait to read this. I am actually dropping that review tomorrow Ooh, right. on odpagepodcast.com and nerdinitiative.com. Nice. Uh, and then switching over to the folks over at uh, Marvel, you've got Star Wars Dark Droids issue number one. This one from Charles Soule. Ooh. Enough said there, but I will read the description anyway. Uh, it says, Scourge of the Droids, a Star Wars epic like you've never seen before. Who or what is the Scourge, and why is no droid safe? As a corruption spreads from one droid to the next, the Rebellion and the Empire face chaos. What role does Ajax Sigma play in all of this, and whose side is he on? Find out when horror comes to a galaxy far, far away. Charles Soule continues his legendary run on Star Wars with the most ambitious event in Star Wars comics history. Joined by his War of the Bounty Hunters collaborator, Luke Ross, the Superstar team carves a new path for the future. This looks awesome. I cannot wait to read this because this just sounds nuts. Yeah, this is going to be a book people are going to be talking about. Uh, And then also from Star Wars, uh, you've got Star Wars Yoda, issue number 10 from Kevin Scott. Uh, This one reads, The final lesson. After years in exile on Dagobah, legendary Jedi Master Yoda is visited by a ghost of his past. Plagued by painful memories, he must enter the cave of evil to face his ultimate fear. But will the Jedi's greatest teacher recall the most important lesson of all? Uh, We'll see. Uh, Close quote. We'll see. Uh, Showing Ken the cover art here because (laughs) there's a rather couple interesting faces on the cover. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's Yoda standing in front of the door to the cave of evil. On one side is the ghost of old Ben Kenobi. And on the other side is the force ghost of Count Dooku. 
That looks wild. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, and then also from the folks over at uh, Marvel, you've got Death of the Venomverse issue number one from Colin Bunn, uh, which this one is the end of the Venomverse is here. Colin Bunn and Gerardo Sandoval reunite to bring the symbiotic axe down on the Venomverse. Carnage has been building up his powers up, extracting unique abilities from many villains throughout the Marvel Universe to the point of traversing the multiverse with one goal, kill any and all Venoms. Boy, this is going to be batshit crazy. Yeah, this is looking absolutely crazy. Cullen Bunn, I know from a lot of horror books, uh-huh. this is going to be absolutely wild. So you definitely yep. don't want to miss this. And lastly, certainly not leastly, from the folks over at Dynamite, Com- Dynamite Comics, Gargoyles, issue number eight from Greg Weissman. And this one says, Goliath's going on trial, but an old enemy would rather that Goliath never make it to the courtroom. Hmm. In this issue, hmm. attack on Rikers Island or cellmates make strange bedfellows. This one has been such a great read. If you are a fan of the Gargoyles animated series from the 90s that was on aired on Disney, seriously, you need to pick this up and read it. It is a breath of fresh air and something that has been severely lacking from the Gargoyles IP, you know, since the show ended. It does not include anything from the third season, which we're not even going to get into. <laughs> the third season is yikes. But no, it's from Greg Weissman. He wrote and worked on Gargoyles. It it ties right into the show. It's a fantastic read. If you have not picked it up, you should. It's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, on my end, uh, like I say, I'm reviewing the Adventures of Superman book. And yeah, you can't speak highly enough of that series thus far. Tom Taylor on Superman. Like Enough said. Enough said indeed. Uh, for me, Image Comics, Black Cloak number six, Kelly Thompson, Meredith McLaren. This whole fantasy murder mystery has been an absolute joy to read. I love this series. I can't wait to see how it wraps up for the first arc, I believe. Okay. So that's how it's kind of coming down. And, like, listen, if you haven't checked the series out, if you're into fantasy and you'd like it with, like, a little crime edge, this is a great series. Mm-hmm. And I truly, truly wish more people were talking about it. Also, at Image Comics, there's a brand-new book called out The Sacrificers uh, by Rick Remender and Max Fumara. This is going to be one fans are going to be talking about, so definitely you want to stay tuned for that. Also from Image Quest number one, Jonathan Luna. This is going to be one, like I say, a lot of buzz is behind this right now, so you definitely want to make sure you check that out. Over on the Boom Studio side of things, there's a brand new Buffy the Vampire Slayer series coming. Oh boy! But it's the last Vampire Slayer because I always kind of say like I always I'm I'm happily surprised to see that this series is still going. I know it's still got a huge cult following. Yeah, and like that's you know like and because like for me, yeah, I know I'm old. I always remember the movie before I do mm. the TV show, and like how great the show is, and right. like how much that's still living. That's why I say I, I kind of just like there's a new Buffy series going like. I am just excited, but I'm like also just like blown away. The series is still rocking, but they have great new tales coming out. Like I said, Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer is coming out this week from Boom. So Casey Gilly and Oral Rogi uh, are behind this, and this is going to be one, like I said, if you're a fan of the franchise, you want to check out. Also, the latest edition of Once Upon a Time at the End of the World by Jason Aaron, this book. This series is absolutely something on its own. Like It's a very different read. It is very good, but like I say, it, it's something that you're not expecting when you open up the pages for it. So you definitely want to make sure you keep an eye out for that. Also, the coolest book at the comic shops, and I don't think there's any question about this, Grim number 12, Stephanie Phillips, Slaviano, and the story of Jessica Harrow is just getting crazier and crazier. I love the series. I can't speak highly enough about it. There's so much wind going on with this. Like, seriously, if you haven't checked it out, you definitely want to. And 
I got to say, there's more reviews coming out. And shout out to the whole Nerd Initiative bullpen. A lot of moves this past couple weeks. So if you're not checking out nerdinitiative.com on Wednesday for New Comic Book Day, you definitely want to make sure you do. And obviously swing on over to odpagepodcast.com too because we got some stuff there as well. It's a big win for the entire team. And if you're looking for more, more comics coverage, the long-awaited streaming show Turn a Page is debuting Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Nerd Initiative YouTube. And we're talking Secret Invasion, but we're talking the comic story by Brian Michael Bendis and Leno Francis Yu. Pat, do you know that story? No, I don't think so. It is one that definitely we have a lot to say about, so we're going to be talking about that on there. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you drop that follow and subscribe and check that out, as you do with everything that is in the ODPH, because you find it at odphpodcast.com. And as we like to end every single entertainment show, make sure you head out and support your local comic shops, because they're doing a lot of great things, and steering you in the direction for tomorrow's next big TV show and movies, because it all starts at the comic shop, folks. So that said, for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. My co-host might not be here next week, but you will have the full update on Patreon about what goes down when he invades Yankee Stadium to defend the honor of the Bronx Bombers. For like the seventh or eighth time. Yes. Thank you as always for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Punch, cause they can't bring me